Thank you so very much, friends. Take your seat. Take your seat. Thank you so much, Pastor Ryan. I uh, so like what uh, really uh, Pastor Ryan and Pastor okay, Brenda's burden about salvation, even for her okay, mom up north in, uh, in Penang. And so, friends, I'm going to focus on that this morning, on the whole area evangelism, okay, which is my heart, my burden, I trust. I want to impart something to you that you likewise yeah. go and change, okay, the world for Jesus Christ. And all you people say, all right, but before changing the world, change Malaysia first, lah. Hello, okay, isn't it? All right, but, all right, Malaysia needs a lot of changing first, all right? So let's focus. So I'm going to share talking about okay, evangelism, Jesus' style. How Jesus goes about doing evangelism, which is, I think, so important. He is, to me, the master, okay, evangelist par excellence. Few people can match him, okay? Even the life of Jesus, you notice again and again, all right? So we're going to read a passage of scripture. So evangelism, Jesus style. The passage of scripture for us, right? John chapter 4, verses 4 to 15. Now, whenever I preach in DUMC, and when Bible verses are projected on the screen, I get everybody to read aloud together. You know how I do that? Because sometimes that's the only time they read the Bible in a whole week. Okay? Say to your neighbor, he's not talking about you. Amen? Isn't it? Because I know Harvard generation people cannot wait to read, dying to read the Bible. Amen? Can good amen for that? Come, let's stand to read in honor of God's word together. Come, come, let's go. One, two, three. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us a well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsted again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep on coming here. Father, we ask, O oh God, yet you by your spirit has inspired this word. Take your word and speak to us and challenge us and draw us in response. Our oh, Father, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Would you take your seats? Well, one service of farmer who brought his buffalo to town. And the farmer said to the people in the town, If you can fulfill three wishes of mine, this buffalo shall be your possession. Well, everyone in the town got really excited why? because they want to possess the prized, wonderful, sleek, strong buffalo. Well, said the farmer, firstly, I want you to make my buffalo cry. Right? People pinch the buffalo, hit the buffalo, kick the buffalo. The buffalo did not cry at all. Then the pastor of the town came along and said, could I try? Of course you may, sir. And the pastor went after you, ate a buffalo, whispered something, ate a buffalo, and the buffalo cried and cried. This is amazing. Well, said, secondly, the farmer, I want you to make my buffalo laugh. So people tickle the buffalo, make monkey faces, swing and dance. Buffalo do not laugh at all. Well, said a pass, can I try one more? Yes, of course you may. When have you heard the buffalo? Whispers it. And the buffalo laugh and laugh and laugh like crazy. Amazing. Well, thirdly, said the farmer, I want to make my buffalo run. People push the buffalo, drag the buffalo with a strong, slick, but didn't move a single inch. Well, said a pastor, can I try it once more? Of course you may, sir. And the pastor, we hear the buffalo. Whispers And the buffalo bolted off. My goodness, okay, said the farmer to the pastor, before I hand my buffalo to you, I want to know what you did to my buffalo. Well, said the pastor, you know what? Firstly, I told buffalo how hard I work as a pastor. I suppose the buffalo took pity upon me and started crying, crying, crying. Well, <laughs> secondly, I told the buffalo how much salary I'm paid every month as a pastor. And so forth, your buffalo thought about this guy works so hard, how can he be paid so little? Your buffalo couldn't believe it. And the buffalo laughed and laughed and laughed like crazy. Well, thirdly, I told the buffalo, now we want to be a pastor. And the buffalo bolted off. <laughs> how many want to be pastors? Can I see your hands? 
My goodness, Pastor Ryan, your church is in trouble. Nobody wants to be. <laughs> Even Pastor Brenda told me this morning, I can't imagine marrying a, a pastor and the worst to become a pastor now today, you know. God has mysterious ways of working in our lives. Amen. Okay, much as you don't like to, I love being a pastor. I left my engineering, okay, to become a pastor more than 30 years ago. And the wonderful thing is I get to travel, all right? I've been to more than 30 countries in all six continents, preach in all these places, and I get to meet some of the nicest people in the whole world. Say to your neighbor, he's talking about you. Amen. Yeah, really, you know, had I uh, been in, remained as an engineer, I wouldn't get to meet all of you here this morning, some of the nicest people in the whole world, and all nice people say, Amen. Yes, that's what it is. And the best thing, that's a joy, it's a privilege, really, that you and I can get to travel. You and I get to interact, to share, to talk, and to see what God would do in the hearts and lives of people we connect with. It's so important, is it? And it's important, friends, you know what? To make sure our time, our life will count for Jesus. Okay? All right, Pastor Ryan, you just told you, like both of us started churches, okay? He's at age 29, I started 29, okay? How old is UMC today? 40 years old. Pastor Pastor Ryan, you've got a little bit more years to go. Okay. Right now. In the twinkling of an eye, time just passed by, like 40 years have gone past. Okay. I look at some of you that I could recognize by Dr. Chow Chua as Pastor Lim Sung Ho. Their hair like mine running away from us. So, you know, once upon a time, we got long hair. Now we're all longing for hair. Okay. <laughs> God have. <laughs> Said your neighbor, your time will come very soon also. Okay. So don't laugh at us. Time moves on, moves on very quickly indeed. And that's why, friends, you know, you and I got to maximize our time, our life. Can I get amen for that? Okay, the more amen you say, my preaching gets better and better. Amen, okay, very important. Now, friends, you know, in the whole evangelism, it is so important, very simply, what is evangelism? Before we look at how Jesus went about sharing faith, okay, about himself in a powerful, marvelous way indeed. What is evangelism? It is simply sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting God for the results. Just sharing Jesus and trust God, the Spirit of God for the results. But friends, can I say, the Holy Spirit wants to work more in people whom we share with than you and I realized. Really. A lot more in people that you and I realized. Look, for example, last year, uh, I was in Syria uh, to see what's happened and how can we respond, okay? Uh, all right. How many want to join me? Next trip, I go to see. How many want to join me to go to see you? Anyone? No one. My goodness. It's just your lack of faith. La. Okay. <laughs> I can guarantee I can bring you in, but no guarantee you'll come out safely. <laughs> well, friends, you know what? Flew into uh, last year, took uh, Qatar Airways, flew into Doha first before the connecting flight into the Middle East. And the first sector of the flight from KL to, to, uh, to Doha, what happens is that uh, I was in the economy section and this flight attendant was serving us right, food and that kind of thing. And then when he came round to me, right, serving me, I said, thank you so much for serving. I really appreciate that. Uh, what's your name, by the way? He said, my name is Gabriel. Good to meet you, Gabriel. Where are you from? From Romania. Oh, great. Fantastic. You know, Gabriel, my name is Daniel Ho. I'm a pastor from Malaysia. You're very special. Out of 7 billion people, got to take you to serve a pastor from Malaysia somewhere. It's not often you get a chance to serve a pastor from Malaysia. Yeah. Amen. And so, so you're very special, Gabriel. He said, really, yeah, very special. I've got something important to tell you. All right? When you finish your work, all right, let's have a chat, okay? Because I know you're working. I'm trying to disturb you. Finish his work before the plane, okay, came down to Doha. He walked towards me. I was on the aisle seat, all right? He knelt down next to me, and we chatted and talked. You know what? In the process, I led him to faith in Christ. And he was my number 32 last year. I led to faith in Christ one-on-one. -on -one. Wow. Can I challenge you all to do that? So important. So very, very important. So friends, we just share. Isn't it? And trusting God for the results. And the Holy Spirit will work in this more than you and I realize. Can I go to amen for that? Okay. Now, why is it you and I must share Jesus? All right. It is a responsibility. All right. Not of some experts, some evangelists like people like Pastor Ryan. Okay, who will share with any Tom, Dick, and Harry or Amin, Amin and Akal. And there's no one to share. He will share the cockroaches and lizards on the wall as well. All right? No, friends, it is not, okay, experts, there's a burden and heart to share Jesus. No, no, no. It's a response to every believer in Christ. Really, why? Because you notice here, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Come, let's read together what it says here. They had, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
These are believers. These are not even church leaders. Because as you know, in Acts 8, the context was after Stephen was persecuted and martyred for his faith in Christ, remember, in Jerusalem. Believers were scattered, except the apostles who remained in Jerusalem. So wherever the believers were scattered, it tells us here, they just shared a word wherever they went. They, in that sense, gossiped the gospel. Friends, there is only, only one kind of gossip allowed, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, no other gossips except the gospel of Christ. Said, All right, so they gossiped the gospel wherever they went. They shared Jesus. And so, friends, can I say, it's a responsibility of every believer in Christ that you and I must share. All right, very, very important. Now, why is it we must share Christ? Why is it we must share? At least two reasons I see from Scripture. Firstly, friends, you know, because uh, it reflects the heart of God. When we share Christ, we are sharing in the heart of God. Why is this the case? John chapter 3, verses 16, 17. All right, come, let's read together. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world to Him. You see, God's heart is not for the world's condemnation, but for the world's salvation, isn't it? All right? And so, friends, when you share Jesus with people, we are participating in the heart of God who wants to see everyone to be saved, isn't it? And that's so important, all right, for you and I. Not only, friends, you know, when we share Jesus, we are participating in the very heart of God. But also when we share Jesus, friends, you know what? We are taking people, right, from a Christless eternity into the kingdom of heaven, into the place where Jesus is. Because otherwise, people are lost through a Christless eternity, which is a nice way of saying people go to hell. Amen? That's a reality. That's why it must imbue us with a real burden and passion to share Jesus anywhere and everywhere. Anytime and every time, really. And that's so important. And so Apostle Paul writes to us, Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Come, let's read together. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, that's why Jesus has come to take us from darkness into God's, one more, uh, God's wonderful light, isn't it? To take us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus has come to do, isn't it? And so for friends, you and I must be burdened likewise to ensure that as many as possible be not lost to a crisis eternity, which is a nice way of saying lost to hell. That's the reality of it all, isn't it? I remember some time ago, Doris and I, we were just driving in our housing estate and we passed by a funeral service taking place, a Taoist funeral service taking place. You know what I told her? Sadly, another one lost to a crisis eternity. You see, friends, it is not just a sight we saw. It should be one where it challenges. It must burden us. Amen, isn't it? About an urgency for life and living to reach out to share as many people as possible. There's a reason why I tell people, right, it is good to visit cemeteries once in a while. Uh, don't go every day. La. Hello? Okay. Other people thought, what's happening to you? Do. Actually, I've got a friend of mine, a pastor friend from Penang. All right. He went to a cemetery every day. Soon after the white pastor, he was so shocked and so stunned by the whole thing. He went to the cemetery every day. But thankfully, not talk to the wife, but talk to God about the wife because he was so heartbroken. All right. Because the wife departed uh, quite prematurely, that kind of thing. Okay. But once in a while to go, it's good. You know why it is very good? Because firstly, friends, it reminds us about mortality in life. We're all mortal beings. We only don't live forever, isn't it? Some young people, like all of you, you think we're going to live forever and ever. Huh? No, huh? Wow, you're all JC people. Okay, you're already like, we don't live forever. But some young people behave as if they don't live forever and ever. I said, come along with you to the cemetery. You see for yourself. Nobody lives forever. I said, so you walk around. You see this tombstone. This person lives 88 years old, 90 years old, maybe even 100 years old, but some much younger, 15, 16. Some even just babies, three, four, five months. Right now. Nobody lives forever. And so therefore, it reminds of mortality in life. Secondly, it reminds about brevity in life. How brief life is. Isn't it? 50, 60, 80, 100, 120 years old is very, very short in the life of eternity. See? So as much as, friends, it reminds about mortality in life, brevity in life, it must result in the third thing, about urgency for life. There must be a real urgency. Urgency to run this race. Urgency to make our time count, our life come. Urgency to share Jesus with as many people as possible. 
so that no one is lost. So Christ is eternal. Can you get amen for that? Okay, very, very important. Now, there are two kinds of evangelism. All right, two forms. The first form of evangelism is what I call uh, visual evangelism. All right, visual, which is, all right, one whereby we witness through our life and our lifestyle. Just by people looking at us, I trust you'll come to a conclusion that guy, that man, that lady must be a Christian, especially from half a generation. I trust when people look at us, just by looking at us, our life, our lifestyle, I trust you'll come to the conclusion that guy must be a Christian because that person's unusual, very special. Hello, isn't it? All right, and I trust it is the case, and it's very, very important. Really, very, I'll give you an example. What happens to this lady? She makes a huge mess in her company. Massive mess. And got herself deep trouble. Her immediate boss went to see the top boss and said, Sir, you know what has happened? Uh, and what this particular lady employed did? Absolute mess. And he said to the big boss, Sir, you know what? I take responsibility what has gone wrong because I as her superior did not teach her well that's why she made all these mistakes so I'm so sorry later on when the girl found it he talked to his superior so why do you do this it's my fault it's not yours and here you are taking responsibility for the nonsense I did, sadly. No, 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 I'm your, I'm your superior. I should take responsibility. No, 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 no. Um, and uh, so what happens was, but sir, why? And no, no, I'm just, just your superior. I should take responsibility. And so what happens was, all right, she probed and probed and probed. Finally, he said, you know, actually, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? What church you go to? All right, DUMC. No, sorry, not DUMC. I wish it's DUMC. <laughs> you know what? The girl ended up going to that church and got saved. It was a senior pastor shared that story. See, friends, I trust by our life and our lifestyle and our behavior, people looking at us will say, this guy is unusual. Amen. What makes you so unusual? See, friends, I trust it will be a case. Amen. Isn't it? That we should witness visually just by our life lives, people come to the conclusion, this is unusual, this is special. All right, I want to know more. I want to know why you are like that. Get a good amen for that. Yeah. But friends, can I say, visual evangelism is not enough. Why? Because you also find good people among the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Sikhs, as well as the atheists. Got or not? Yeah. Isn't it? You find good people all over the place. So not just Christian people are good people. All right? All kinds of people are good people as well. So witnessing visually is not enough. Visual evangelism is not enough. There's a second evangelism we must do, which is what I call verbal evangelism. Witnessing with our words. Witnessing with our mouth. Isn't it so important so that what they see with their eyes connect with what they hear with their ears. And then they say, aha, now I know Christians are like that one. One kind one, a certain kind one. Amen, isn't it? And that's how, friends, it is so important. They say we must witness like this. Not just visually by our life and our lifestyle, but verbally, through our words, you see, speaking it out, sharing out, and so on and so forth. And that's so very, very important. And you see this in the life of Jesus, friends. So how did Jesus go about, all right, uh, in bearing witness for the, for, for, to, to himself, so who he is really, all right? The number of steps you notice Jesus himself involved in, what are they? You notice, friends, firstly, the posture of the heart of Jesus. What is the posture of the heart of Jesus, all right? And here, verse 4 of John chapter 4. This is what it says here, all right? Now he had to go through Samaria. Now Jesus had to go to Samaria. Now you know this, friends. Jews never go to Samaritan territory, all right? In the days of Jesus, there's a huge divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. They got nothing to do with each other, all right? They hate each other, and the Jews particularly look down upon Samaritans, okay? And so whenever, for example, the Jews... They have to travel from the south, right, around the Sea of Galilee area to the north to Jerusalem. Sorry, from the north to the south, right, Sea of Galilee in the north, Jerusalem in the south. When they travel from north to the south, what happens is that to Jerusalem, for instance, Sally, Passover, whatever, 
they never go into Samaritan territory. They go around it. There's always been a case. You know this, friends? Jesus deliberately went through Samaria. All right? It shows a portion of the heart of Jesus. And that's the first thing you can learn. You and I must learn from the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is that he wants to connect with as many people as possible. The heart of Jesus, he wants to reach out to love people. The heart of Jesus, he wants to share. Isn't it? And that's what it is, right? We should really remove whatever kind, okay, of hindrance in our path, whatever mindsets we have, okay, that we cannot tahan certain people. Amen? Isn't it? All right? Some of us go to India. Wow, got culture shock, okay? So Chris got culture shock. He's too Malaysian nice, okay? All right? Indian, isn't it? So we have a culture shock. But that's what it is. Sometimes we go to a year like that one. Friends, you know, we have to be set free from that. Have the posture of the heart of Jesus, isn't it? He chose to go in. He chose to break, to break the barrier, step in and make a difference. This is the first thing we see, friends, about evangelism. God must help us to have the right kind of posture of the heart. Isn't it? The second P that we notice, friends, okay, is one whereby, all right, the place of engagement, not only the posture of the heart of Jesus, but the place of engagement. What is the place of engagement? All right, verses 5 and 6 of John chapter 4. So where is the place of engagement? The well. Am I right or not? Now, why did Jesus do that? Because we find that everybody goes to the well to draw water. Isn't it? So he knew people gathered around the well. Okay, that's a common place. The community will come together like that, isn't it? All right. And so you notice, friends, Jesus is very smart. He went to the place whereby there'll be real engagement he could have with anybody who comes along the way like this. Isn't it? And that's what you and I must do as well. Where is our place of engagement? For those of you who are in your places of work, your workplace, that's your place of engagement. Your colleagues, your friends, isn't it? Your employees, your employers, this, this is that place of engagement. For those of you who are students, where's your place of engagement? The school, the college, your university, isn't it? For those of us who are home, homemakers for engagement, our neighborhood, our neighbors around us, isn't it? All right. And uh, for pastors, where is our place of engagement? Okay, the church. No, 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 it shouldn't be the church at all. Now, if I tell pastors, you know what? 90% of our time is spent amongst Christians, which we all don't mind, because they're all the nicest people in the whole world. You know, but generally it's true, isn't it? For us as pastors, 90% of our time is spent among Christians. Friends, can I say, all right, that's an artificial environment. Why? Because... If only 10% of the population of Malaysia are Christians, how can 90% of the time be spent amongst the 10% only? That's not right, right thing. That's why I've been pushing pastors and chasing pastors. Get out of the church, okay? Find places for engagement. And there are many places for engagement. Wherever you go, you go to a shopping mall, there's a place of engagement. You go to a supermarket, there's a place of engagement, isn't it? You go, you take a ride, okay, in a taxi, you take a, a flight in a plane. That's where place of engagement wherever you are, isn't it? And so, for example, once I went alone to a coffee shop uh, for lunch very quickly, slipped off from a church office, went to a coffee shop for lunch, and I stood outside a coffee shop, looked into the coffee shop and prayed, Lord, which table shall I sit? Wow, must also pray when I go to a coffee shop. Hey, pray lah, isn't it? So I looked into the coffee shop and I saw a, a table there with an Indian man seated in the table. All right. So I walked towards him, okay, grabbed my food quickly, walked towards him and said, excuse me, can I join you? You know, like all good, friendly Malaysia. Yeah, 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 please sit down. Amen, isn't it? So I sat down with him, okay. I said, hi, you're having a lunch? I said, I'm also having my lunch, okay. Hi, what's your name? Mutu, good to meet you, Mutu. My name is Daniel Mutu. Mutu, what do you do? I'm a van driver. Oh, great. Van, what company you work for? He says, MBJ. I say, I know the company. MBJ stands for Malam Bole Jalan. Yeah, he almost fell out of the chair. Wow, you're very smart. Huh? Few people in this country know MBJ. Okay, it's a courier company, right? Nighttime can travel. That's what it means. It takes, okay, all your documents, your letters, your parcels around the country. It's a courier company, you know? I said, yeah, okay. Oh, I said, you're very smart, are you? I said, you know why? Pastor, very smart, no, pastor. He said, what's a pastor? You know, cross Gareja, cross, okay? The person who takes care of the church. Oh, the person who takes care of the church is a pastor. So I said to him, Mutu, by the way, are you a Christian? He's, he says, no, I'm Indian. I said, of course I know Indian. With, with the name Mutu, what do you expect? A Chinese, a Japanese, or a Vietnamese? Of course I know Indian. No, what I mean is, are you a Hindu or a Christian? Oh, I'm Hindu. 
She talking about Jesus, witness to him. And because he was there earlier, he finished his lunch. All right. In the process, I gave him my cold card. And he looked at, yeah, I know where it is. At the time we were in Ruby Cinema. Okay. Yeah, I know where it is. And talking with him, found he's married with wife and two young kids. So give him my card. He was there early, finished off, and he was walking off. He says to me, okay, see you. Uh, all right. I said, Mutu, I hope to see you and shake your hands one day in DMC. He said to me, Sila, got time, I will come. Now, that's a nice Malaysian way of saying thanks and no thanks. Am I right now? <laughs> All right now. Okay. But you know, in less than one minute, a Chinese man came to my table and said, excuse me, can I join you? You know, I was so very happy. You know what? Because I prayed for one, God gave me two. Wow, this is amazing, God. I was so thankful in my heart. So I, as you said, you're having a lunch? Yeah, I also having my lunch. All right. I reached up my hand to him and said, hi. I said, my name is Daniel. What's your name? He said, my name is Kenneth. The moment after he said, my name is Kenneth, he held my hand, refused to let go. And he said to me, are you the Daniel Ho from NECF? That means he recognized me. That means he knows that I'm a Christian leader. That means he must be a Christian. You know what? After that, my heart was so sad. Why? In my heart, I tell God, God, why do you send a Christian to my table? Send Christians to Pastor Ryan and everybody else's table for half a generation. Send a non-Christian to my table. Like, I want to talk to them about Jesus. Amen? Right now. And so, friend, this is very important. You know what I mean? A place of engagement. Find a place. There are tons of places of engagement you can be involved in. Amen? So in future, go to a coffee shop. Never look for an empty table anymore. Yeah, you know. If you go one, go look for another one. Okay? It's like in DUMC. We got a cafe in DUMC. One day I came down for lunch alone. And I was walking around the cafe. Where can I, who can I... Who can I sit with? I saw the Chinese guy sit alone by himself, grab my foot and say, excuse me, can I join you? Right? You know why? I say, you're lonely, I'm lonely. Let's make friends. Lah. Right now. That's how we connect with one another together to maximize our time, to make sure we engage with one another like that. Can you good amen for that? And there are tons of engagement, okay, for everyone if you, wherever you are. Very, very important. Not to let friends, we find in the life of Jesus, we see the point of conversation. Not just a place of engagement now. What is it we talk about? Uh, you know this, friends? They both come for what? They both come for water. Yeah. Right now. Okay, and that's why verse 7 of John 4, together let's read. When a Samaritan came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? Isn't it? That's a common point of conversation. Uh, and that's what you and I should do. Isn't it? Find a common point whereby we can engage one another. And this is where I find, you know what, a lot of Christians struggle. I use a struggle, all right? I can talk anything under the sun from politics to potatoes, but Jesus just cannot come out. How many of you struggle like that, all right? You are shy, you are, okay, nervous, you are fearful, you don't know where to start, how to start, even if the start's a wrong start, okay? How many of you are like that? See your hands. Wow, good, God bless you all. You know, I was like that once upon a time. Right? Very shy, very reserved, don't dare not talk, can talk all kinds of stuff except about Jesus like this. You know? And God has to teach me all right, to break that barrier. Okay? Now, it came about when I was reading Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You remember the familiar verse of Scripture? Okay? When Jesus was taken up to heaven, before he was taken up to heaven, he said okay, to his disciples, 120 of them, all right, on the Mount of Olives before they came back to and gather in the upper room for prayer, isn't it? And Jesus said to them, okay, wait for the Spirit to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you shall receive power. Then you will show me my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, isn't it? And when I read that, it hit me like a thunderbolt. Now, I read it countless times, but then it just bang, hit me like a thunderbolt. I said, Lord, that's what I need, the power of the Holy Spirit so that I'll be a witness, so I will share about you with people around. And so day day I prayed, Holy Spirit come and fill me, and power me, enable me, and set me free from all kinds of rationalizations and reservations and shyness, so I would just share. Now, I don't become an overnight fiery evangelist, okay? But I started somewhere. Hello, are you there? And the more you do it, the more you do it, it becomes just more and more natural. So it becomes second nature. In fact, evangelism should be a lifestyle. It should never be an event or a program. Although we can and we should continue to have events and programs at Alpha, Events Explosion, all right, three-day Christmas event or Easter or not, we should continue to have that. 
But it should be a lifestyle. Every believer, as we say in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it said, wherever they went, they shared Jesus. And that's what you and I should be doing. Wherever we are, we should be talking and sharing about Jesus. Okay, and that's very important. And you notice the evangelist par excellence teaches us this. I said, all right, there he was. All right, he engaged with this woman. And a common topic, okay, is one of water. It's a natural topic, isn't it? Now, I know many times Christians struggle. How do I turn my ordinary conversations into spiritual conversations so that my faith comes out? Now, for me, as a pastor, very simple. You know, I say, hi, what's your name? John. My name is Daniel. What do you do, John? Engineer. Well, I'm a pastor. The moment I say I'm a pastor, I will go right in and say, by the way, are you a Christian? Because pastor and Christianity can connect, isn't it? Hi, what do you do, John? Okay, you are, I'm an engineer. Okay, uh, my name is Michael. Okay, I'm an accountant. And I said, are you a Christian? That guy said, have you gone cuckoo? Well, if you're an accountant, engineer, you ask me, am I a Christian? You know, no. All right, they, they see no connection. They find you very strange, very funny. Why are you suddenly talk about faith? Like that. So, friends, can I give you some keys? How you and I can turn our ordinary conversations into a spiritual conversation so that our faith comes out naturally, not artificially. Okay, let me give you some keys. One is just to talk about work. In a workplace, isn't it? In a place of work. So, for example... What happens, you go out for lunches with the colleagues, two, three, four, go out together for lunches. Amen? Hey, it looks like you know, they never go out for lunch one. Your whole generation only fast and pray, is that right? Wow, God bless you all. You're amazing people. Ah, God bless you. Go, go, go for lunch, you know? Ah, yeah, okay. Make sure you're real. Is it? So, what happens, you go for lunches with colleagues, two or three of them go out together. Okay? And every lunchtime, go different two or three, two or three go together. Now, after a while, you notice there are some who are more open for deeper conversations. Then what do you do? Then go one-on-one. Go lunch with a guy one-on-one. A man with a man, a lady with a lady. Isn't it? And then it is during that time, friends, okay, what we talk about. Talk about simply, for example, work. I say, hey, John, what is it you like about working here? Let John share. Then after you share, what do you like about working here? Then turn it around. John, have you ever faced one challenge working here? Let John share. After that, when it comes to your turn, you share. John, you know what? Actually, I was faced with a work challenge here. Why? Because of the assignment given by the boss. The assignment actually is not difficult. But just that the deadline is so short. It's almost impossible, John. But John, amazingly, I got it done. Because I prayed like crazy. I believe God has helped me. You know so the, God, the word God has come in. Hey, by the way, bless, I'm a Christian. By the way, okay, John, are you a Christian? And you take it further. Is it okay? Another thing we can talk about is talk about health. Right now, hey, John, wow, you look fit, healthy, and strong. Like Pastor Ryan like that. Okay, uh, okay. Hey, John, what do you do to keep healthy and strong? What do you do to keep fit? Let John share. After that, then you share. Then turn it around. John, have you ever faced a health challenge in your life? Yeah, then share. Then after that, when it comes to your turn, if you've got an amazing story to tell, that's the time to tell. You know what I mean? Hey, John, you know what? I wasn't feeling well. I went to see a doctor, and the doctor did a whole battery of tests. Three weeks later, called me in, sat me down. And the doctor said to me, my friend, I don't have good news for you. You actually got cancer. The moment the doctor said to me that, it hit me like a sledgehammer. Suddenly, I became fearful. I was speechless. And then I went to the confusion. And then after that, I could not eat, could not sleep, started losing weight. In fact, I went into depression. Out of that process, by the grace of God, I, I became a Christian. Today, you know, John, I'm still around, able to talk to you because I believe God has done a measure of healing in my life. I don't know how long it is, how long it will be, I don't know, but I trust Him. I can trust Him because now that in Christ, He has removed the fear of death. All right, my life is in good hands. I can trust Him. But the most important is peace of heart that I have now, whatever happens to me, I know him, that is peace of heart. All right? By the way, John, are you a Christian? 
Yeah, just like that. Are you a Christian? Oh, you're not a Christian. You should consider seriously, John. Don't be like me, lah. Hit by a crisis, then we will run to Jesus. Be smarter than me. You look smarter than me. Hey, come and accept Jesus right now. Can I pray for you? accept Jesus? Can I not? Hello, are you there? Talk about health. And then don't talk about it. Talk about holidays. Lah. Right now. Hey, John, what is one holiday you really enjoy? Let him share. Then after you share. Lah. Right now. Then turn around. What is one holiday? Okay, you never ever forget. He shares, then you share. Lah. When it comes to your thing, you know, hey, John, I went for this holiday. And my aeroplane begins to fly like that. <laughs> the winds begin to fly. My goodness, it just went out of control, that kind of thing. Okay, and you know, everybody's screaming and shouting in the plane. I jump on the stretch and say, in Jesus' name. Ooh, the plane finally took off. I'm still here, John, because I believe God showed mercy upon me, upon all of us. Are you there? Isn't it? Right, there's so many things we can talk about to turn our ordinary conversation, spiritual, so your faith comes out naturally and talk. Are you there? Very important is sort of point of conversation. All right, not just a place of engagement, wherever we are, God has put us at a point of conversation with Jesus and a woman, it is water. With us, so many areas we can talk about. Are you with that, isn't it? And then you notice when Jesus engaged women about water, immediately you notice the prejudice of the woman comes out. All right, okay. What is the prejudice of this woman? Verse 9. All right, our John chapter 4. Come, let's read together. The woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You see, you notice, friends, immediately the woman said, oh, no, thank you very much. For us, we have no association with one another. Now, how many of you come across? When you share your faith, there's a prejudice people, a war people built up right away. How many of you? Isn't it? All right, quite common, you know what? Quite common. Some non-Christians say, these people call themselves Christians. They are all hypocrites. You hear that? You know what, friends, when non-Christians say that, they have a better understanding of the Christian faith than many Christians. You know that? They've got better understanding of the Christian faith. Why? Because they expect you, if you profess to be a Christian, you've got to practice your Christianity. Right now. Now, they, they, they will never say this of a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, or a Sikh. Right now. But you will say this of a Christian. Who oh, are very hard to be a Christian. No? Amen. But this is what they expect. Okay? That you call yourself Christian, you jolly well practice it. So I tell many times we all Christians, non Christians have a better understanding of the Christian faith and its integration than we Christians. Many times we see our faith as compartmentalized. My faith is one thing, my okay, practice is another thing altogether, which is such a tragedy, isn't it? Listen, for some Christian business people, there are such bad witnesses for Christ. And it's a tragedy. It isn't like this. All right? But let's do a better job with half a generation. Amen? It's a very, very important. And so, some of the prejudice builds up. Give an example. How many of you come across, all right, uh, in a place of work, you, okay, a boss will say, hey, you all call yourself Christians. You're all hypocrites. Give an example. This one of the young men I'm involved in mentoring, very smart guy from Cambridge University, uh, head of, of department of a huge uh, company in Malaysia. Won't mention the name, everybody knows. And, uh, and so very often uh, he, he said, uh, when we meet together as heads of departmental meeting with a big boss or CEO, okay, our CEO, he loves to run down Christians and Christianity. Or he loves to do that. I don't know what happened. You know, he he make mentioned the name of some of these, called themselves Christian. They are all hypocrites. And, you know, and this brother said, Pastor, whenever he mentions that my mouth is zipped, shut already. How many have come across that? Friends, can I say? No, this is a fantastic opportunity. All right? No, this is not time to zip your mouth. This is a fantastic open door. You want to know how do you deal with it? Hey, you're not interested. Come, let's move on. Are you interested or not? Okay. And so I told him, this is a fantastic opportunity. Okay? And which is this. All right? Firstly, pray hard for your boss and pray hard for yourself. Okay? One day, have a one-on-one -on -one time with him. And a one-on-one -on -one, uh, one -on -one time with him. All right? Just the two of you. Maybe in his office. So you tell your boss. Boss, you know, what you say about some so-called Christians who should be better Christians than hypocrites? Boss, you know what? I want to say it's true. 
please forgive us. I want to say it's true. All right. But boss, I don't know. You know I'm a Christian. I try my very best. And that's I get promoted very fast. Uh, at my age, I'm at this level. You know I'm good and very good. But I don't know, boss. I try to be a Christian and you know that. But boss, maybe sometimes you look at me, you're also disappointed with me. Okay? And if I fail you anyway, boss, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. All right? I want you to do my very best. Tell me where I've gone wrong. I do my very best. You can be guaranteed about that. Okay? Then after that, don't stop there. Go one step further. Say to your boss, boss, can I also be very honest with you? Sometimes I look at you, I'm also disappointed with you. <laughs> okay. He will tell you, this is a door. Now get out. <laughs> or this is your last day in the office. Am I right? Hey, come on, let's be honest. Is there such thing as a perfect boss? Isn't it? There's no such a perfect boss. So let's be honest. Tell him, isn't it? Right, very important. Boss, can I be very honest with you? Sometimes I'm disappointed with you. For example, in our head sub-departmental meeting, why you run down a Christian faith? Why you do that? There's no connection with our business and discussion compared to a Christian. Why do you do that? Okay? Don't stop there. All right? Take one step further. Boss, you know what? That's precisely why Jesus came. Because only He is perfect. That's why He came. For you, for me, for everyone in the world. Amen? So, boss, you know what? Don't look at Christians. Although, of course, we should be better examples. We need to confess. We should be better. But don't look at Christians. Look at Jesus because only He's perfect. And that's why He came for you and me, for the whole world. Don't stop there. Take one more step further. Boss, you know what? If you like to, starting next week, once a week, I meet with you to do a Bible study on the life of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Isn't it? If you're willing to, boss, starting once a week for the next one month, I do Bible's Look at the four Gospels. Just look at Jesus. And if you're honest, sincere, and frank, I guarantee you, you encounter Him. And your life will never be the same again. Amen. You have the joy and a huge privilege leading your big boss to faith in Jesus Christ. Have a huge celebration of our generation here. Amen. Okay. And very, very important for all of us. So, friends. Don't be tackled. Don't be frightened about all these guys, what they say, what they do, okay? Very important. Many ways of getting into it and lock them in nicely and, okay, handle them eyeball to eyeball and draw them to faith in Christ. Very important. And so you notice, friends, you, immediately the woman draws up a wall. Prejudice towards Jesus that we, Samaritan, nothing to reduce because you've always looked down upon us like this. Jesus refused to do that. So you notice how Jesus tackles it. He takes it one step further. He offers a promise, yeah, you may have a prejudice, but I've got a greater offer for you. What is the offer for you? All right, verse 10 of John 4, together. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is asked for a drink, you have asked him and he given you living water. Yeah, you come here and draw physical water. I offer you living water. Spiritual water. They were going to flow from a life that will never ever end. And that's what, friends, you and I got to do. Isn't it? We got living water, the water of life. We got the bread of life. And that's why this Sri Lankan theologian, Brother DT, now said evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, the true bread, the bread of life. Amen. That's your job, that's my job, to make it available, to offer it like this, which is so important. Give an example. I was once flying, actually Doris and I were flying from Kuala Lumpur to Moscow for me to speak at a conference of Russian pastors and bishops in the first sector from Kuala Lumpur to Dubai before we changed plane. In an aircraft, KIA, waiting, okay, uh, to leave the airport. Plane was packed full of people. But there's a last passenger walking to the plane. And this last passenger walked into the plane, all right? He's really very, very strongly built, really muscular guys. And you know, friends, muscular people, they like to wear sleeveless T-shirts. <laughs> Amen? It's really muscular T-shirt. And so he walked in, you know, economy section, center portion of the plane, 
all right? And I saw him winding because there's only one seat left in a whole plane. And that seat is next to where both of us are seated. All right, so center portion, I saw him winding it. So I told Doris, you take the our seat, I'll sit next to him. So I said, sat there. He was grumpy and grouchy and complaining. What a lousy airline. I wanted a better seat. What a lousy seat. <laughs> Stuck in the middle of it. When he calmed down a little bit, I said, hi. Okay, my name is Daniel. What's your name? Julian. Hmm. Grunting and grouching. Okay, like that. So uh, in the process of talking with you and our friends, I found he was eight to ten times old England karate champion. Wow. Oh. Not only that, he's got three children at that time. Daughter, 26. Son, 21. A third one, son, 19. All three children are all old England karate champions in age groups. You know, friends, I became very careful in talking with him because I want to keep my nose, boom, and it's all gone. You know, talk with him. Julian became world karate champ 2013. Talk with him. Halfway to the flight, 35,000 feet above sea level. He was in tears. I said, Julian, you know what? I believe God has touched you. If you like to, I'd like to lead you to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. He said, okay. He paused for a moment. He said, okay, okay. I said, fantastic. Four steps involved in trusting in Jesus. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Secondly, believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Thirdly, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Fourthly, invite him into life as Lord and Savior. Is it okay? Is it clear? Yes, sir. I want you to follow after me sentence by sentence aloud, but no need too loud. Let your faith in Christ. Imagine, world karate champion can cry one. Friends, can I say? People may look good on the outside. You never know what is on the inside, friends. And that's the reason, her friends, you and I got living water to offer. And we pray. The Spirit will touch them. And this is wherever I go, I travel. I always pray. I always pray first. Lord, lead me to people who you are prepared. But also keep me from people you don't want me to meet. Isn't it? So that my time is well used. So that indeed I will maximize every minute, every moment. And that's so important, isn't it? Because some people we meet, we never see them again on earth. Right now, especially on an airplane or a flight. Sometimes even a bus or taxi, you meet them, you never see them again, isn't it? So I remember once traveling on an LRT, all right, with, with my fellow pastor to KL uh, for a meeting. And so we hop in the LRT, that kind of thing. And, uh, <coughs> and uh, what happens was initially no seats, then two stops later, there were seats available. So my pastor and I, therefore, all right, sat down, okay? And the following stop, again, packed full of passengers, and there's a senior couple, okay, who have no seats. So I stood up to offer my seat, and because I stood up, my fellow pastor has no choice, uh, also has to stand up, <laughs> you know, offer a seat to this senior couple, you know what I mean? And so as uh, the train was going to KL, I was praying my heart, Lord, how can he get to sit my chair and not to hear Jesus? Lord, you've got better open up the way for me to somehow. So I was praying, okay, all the way through, you know. And what happens is uh, almost down, down to KL at a stop, okay, the passengers next to this senior couple stood up and left. I told him, my fellow pastor, zoom, zoom, I want to take that seat. Sat down and started sharing Jesus with all of them. Hello? Hey, take my seat, my seat, Jesus, Ozola. Hello, are you there? Isn't it very important? Now, how many of you, you've gone to coffee shops whereby Indian lottery tickets, ticket seller comes to you, and part number, but how many you got? Okay, how many of you, you, you buy from them? <laughs> how many of you, you show them off? Can I see your hands? Hey, very sinful to show them off, no? Yeah, how can? Never do that, okay? It was like a lottery ticket seller came. Okay, I'm putting number one. I took from him, grabbed a look at the numbers. And he said, Sir, this number specially chosen for you. Wow, I've got such a thing, special chosen numbers. <laughs> I don't get it. After that, I said, What's your name? He got a fright. Why do you ask me my name? Baila. No, I Oh, Ramanathan. Raman, where are you from? Thinking somewhere in Malaysia. India. India. Which part of India? Chennai. Chennai. I've been there several times. Lovely city. All right. Uh, okay, you got a family? Yeah. Why? Two ch young children, they're back in India. So, Ramadan, you're very special. My name is Daniel. I'm a pastor. You're very special. Seven billion people, God leads you to a pastor. Okay? Should I share with Jesus? Challenge, I accept Jesus. Hey, cannot, cannot. Sell a ticket, how to accept Jesus. No, thank you. <laughs> I said, can I pray for you? No, thank you very much. He took the tickets, go off. 
So friends, you know, he wants to sell me lottery tickets. I end up selling him Jesus. Hello, are you there? And I don't know, he walks up by himself. I don't know, shoot him off. Right now, three weeks later in this other coffee shop, okay, and uh, again, lottery ticket said, seller came, Ampanomo. I took from him, look at it. Then I asked, what's your name? Prakash. Prakash, where are you from? India. Where about? Oh, Chennai. Oh, that's interesting, Prakash. You know, in this housing estate, I met this guy, and he told me, all right, he's from Chennai, India also, all right, and his name is Ramanathan. You know what Prakash said? That's my brother. So, <laughs> you never talk, you never know. Hello, are you there? Isn't it? So I shared about Jesus. Challenge actually, Jesus said, no, thank you very much. And took the tickets and walked off. You know, on the way out of the coffee shop, I turned, look and see where Prakash is. He's still at one corner of the coffee shop. Our eyes connected. I could see on his face, a face of gratitude. Why? Because probably in all these years in Malaysia, either people buy from him after he walked off or he gets shooed off. Nobody took time to ask him, find out a bit more about him and to willing to volunteer to pray for him. I might be the first person, friends, you know, who have sown the seed of the gospel in Prakash's life. And Billy Graham Evangelist Association tells us a person comes to faith in Christ after 21 contacts with Christians. And so that's why the Bible says some of us sow, keep on sowing, others will reap, isn't it? All right, I could be the first person sowing into it. Let's keep on doing that. Amen. I remember another time in that coffee shop, SS2 area. All right, Doris and we we'll just have a quick, a quick drink and then we rush off another appointment. In walk, lottery ticket seller. I recognize him. Why? Because I've shared Jesus with him before. So he was going from table to table. I was so happy waiting for him to come to my table, you know. And after that, what happens? When he came to my table, he disappeared. He never came to my table. I was so sad. I said, Lord, where is he? He went to look around. Couldn't find. Suddenly he appeared from my back, all right? As he from my back, and he came towards me and said, Hello, Father. <laughs> I was on a pet, almost on a pet on his head. Yes, my yes, my son. <laughs> I say, I say, hi, Siva. He said, yes, father. Uh, remember me, yes, father. Remember Jesus, yes, father, yes, father. <laughs> and he takes off after that. He slip off, you know, in his mind. Don't waste time with this guy. This guy will never buy one. Let me get out. If <laughs> he remembers you, you know what I mean. You share. You just keep on sowing. You never know, friends. You know, I have led lottery ticket sellers to Christ. More than one to Christ. Let all kinds of people to Christ. Let's all do it very, very important. Because we've got the greatest gift, the gift of life to offer. Living bread, okay? Living water to offer. And that's what Jesus does. He wastes not a single opportunity. Very strategic, every move of his, he goes. Deliberately choose to go into, all right, Samaritan territory so that he can encounter this Samaritan woman, all right? Change the life forever. She became the first evangelist to her city, and the whole city came to faith in Christ, friends. That's an amazing thing, friends. True one, whole city, read on. All right, came to faith in Christ like this. And so, friends, you know, all right, that is uh, the, not just only the place of en- engagement, okay, the whole area, point of conversation, the prejudice of the woman, and then, you know, the promise of the Savior. But one final thing, friends, the plea of the woman. When Jesus says, I got something to offer you. The water of life, living water. What is now the plea of this woman? Okay, verse 15. Let's read together. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and they keep coming here to draw water. See, friends, Jesus created an urge in his heart of recognizing the emptiness of a soul, recognizing that something amazing this man has come to offer. And I trust, friends, this will be the case for all of us. That wherever we are, wherever we go, friends, we must create such hunger and thirst in the hearts of people that they say, can you give me that? This is amazing. This is wonderful. Amen. Amen. Let me close with this. Once I was down in Singapore for a meeting. Next morning, checked out from the hotel and waiting for a taxi to come to take me to the airport. And within less than a minute, a taxi came by. And I hopped into the taxi. And he said, could you please take me to Changi Airport? Yes, sir. And then, you know, rides in Singapore are very short because Singapore is a small country. So you, if those of you know me, I waste no time. I go right in. 
I said, for the juggler vein. I said, sir, thank you so much for taking me to the airport. Appreciate that. All right, by the way, what's your name? Uh, my name is Daniel Ho. All right, I'm from Malaysia. By the way, I'm a pastor. You're very special. Out of 7 billion people, God will take you, okay, to give a right to a pastor. He said, really, very special. Not only that, God has sent me to let you know he remembers you and he loves you. The moment I said that, you know what? He himself said, my goodness, my hair is standing on end. This is unbelievable. And he went on by saying this. So you know what? I've got a wife who is blind. Not only she is blind. She's diabetic. And therefore, three times a week, I need to take her to hospital for dialysis treatment. That's why I work as a taxi driver, because it's got flexibility of time for me to move around like this. And then he said, sir, you know what? I got a nine-year-old son. And my nine-year-old son, on and off, will call me and say, Dad, can you please come home? I'm very lonely. Now, you can't blame the son, because the mother is blind. The mother could not help him any whatsoever. And so, on and off, he will call the father. And the father, that's the most painful part of my life each day. When to receive a call from my son and helping to tell the son, my son, dad cannot come home. Dad has to work to bring in the money to support the family. You have to wait until the evening when the dad finished finish his duty and come home. Then friends, he didn't stop there. He went on further on his own without me saying anything. He said, sir, you know what? I believe all these that I'm going through, the heartaches and the pains I'm going through, is because of the sins of my past. So you know what? When I was a teenager, I was a drug addict. And therefore, to feed my drug habit, I involved in crime. And as a result, I got arrested. And sir, I've been in and out of Singapore prison several times. So today, sir, what I'm going through, I believe I'm paying for the sins of my past. I said to him, whilst we may sometimes make mistakes in the past, but God has sent me to you specially for you to let you know there is help, there is hope, and there's a future. I shared with him Jesus all the way to the airport and finally challenged him. Would you really like to accept Jesus into your life? Lord, I came from a Buddhist background. When Jesus came to my life 49 years ago, it changed my life, 48 years, it changed my life completely. He wants to do the same for you as well. Would you like to do that? He paused for a moment as he was driving. He said, okay. I said, fantastic. Four steps involved. Believe you're a sinner. Believe, all right? Acknowledge your sin. Believe Christ on the cross. Ask him to forgive you. Invite him to life as Lord. Is it okay? Is it clear? He said, okay. I'd like to pray for you. I want to pray for because I'm in a rush for time. The moment we arrive, I pay you the fare, okay? I dash in so I don't miss my flight. So I want to pray for you now. All right, it's okay. Can you both drive and pray? Can you not? He said, can. Wow, I said, clever Singaporeans go, oh, multitask one. Okay, but one, one more thing, very important. As you drive and pray, I lead you. You follow me sentence by sentence aloud, okay? You pray as you drive. One more thing, very important. For goodness sake, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open, okay? Otherwise, you'll be dead and I'll be dead, okay? You know. So I let him in a sinner's prayer. Of course, when I let him sinner's prayer, my eyes were open. To check that his eyes is also open. <laughs> let him your faith in Christ. Arrive at the airport, pay him the taxi fare. Before I could dash in to the airport, he grabbed hold of me and said this to me, Sir, I've never met a passenger like you in my whole life. I've never met a passenger like you in my whole life. Friends, you know what? There are people, many people, they look good, smooth, sophisticated and swell on the outside. You never know what is on the inside. Wounds and hurts and pains. And you are placed there by God, friends, to be agent of help, of hope, of healing. Let's all do it, friends. Let's all do it for Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's my challenge to all of you, okay, as I close in prayer. My challenge is this. I want you to set a number in your head.
And so how many people in 2019 you lead to faith in Christ? One-on-one. Reach out to share. Give me a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, a classmate, a relative, whoever. Don't care. Set a number, friend. Set a number. Whatever number, I don't care. It could be just one. Think about it, friends. If everyone of you here were to lead one to Christ, what happens to half a generation? It doubles. Is it? So that in the next year, no more seats left here, Pastor Ryan. And if you keep on doing this, just each one lead one to faith in Christ a year. The church keeps on doubling. It'd be explosive. And friends, can I say, there's not a single church I know of that doubles every year consistently. It may double a few years, but consistently, I've never seen a single one. So can I challenge you with this? Because honestly, this may be my passion. This is my heart and my burden as well. Right, that Christians are not reaching to share our faith. We've got the key and the answer to change a nation, every nation of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? How many of us, you've, you and I come from non-Christian backgrounds, can I see your hands? How many of us, the best thing to have happened to us is to know Jesus as long, can I see your hands? If hand is not up, we're going to pray for you afterwards. Yeah. yeah, this is the best thing. If it's the best thing, how come we're not sharing the best thing? Well, I came from a Buddhist background, as I said, and that's why I'm burdened. It's an urgency to share anywhere, everywhere I share Jesus. And it's so important, isn't it? All right? It is not numbers for numbers' sake. When I challenge people about set a number, some people say, oh, Pastor, now you are, you are caught up with numbers. See, people don't understand when they say that. It's not numbers, friends. Because behind every number is a precious life Jesus died for. Right now, they all forgotten about this. Behind every single digit number is, represents a life that Jesus died for. In fact, numbers are so important, there's even a book of numbers in the Bible. Hello, isn't it? All right? And, and not just that, you find in the New Testament full of numbers. Jesus fed 5,000, then he, felt, he, he fed another 4,000, and then on the day of Pentecost, when the Apostle Peter preached, 3,000 came to faith in Christ, full of numbers. But behind every number, precious life. That's why if I'm much younger, not that I'm very old, I want to start a church like this. That in the first year, I'll reach, just win one to Christ, disciple the guy nicely. Next year, two of us go out. Each one of us win one to Christ. Now, four of us, I disciple all three. The following year, four of us go out. Each one of us win one. It becomes eight. I disciple all seven. Just like that. First year, two. Second year, four. Then third year, eight. Then 16, 32, 64. How many years will it take to win a world of seven and a half billion people to Christ? Anyone? If you can tell me the answer, free lunch with Pastor Ryan afterwards. <laughs> See, friends, I ask this question around the world. So I totally preached more than 30 countries. So far, only one young man in mainland China, Sanjun, in the church I preaching, gave me the answer in 20 seconds. Why? China man, very clever. In 20 seconds, he put up his hand. He said, Pastor Dion, you know what? When you hit 30 years by doing that, two, four, six, eight, just like that, by the time you hit 30 years, you touch one billion people. 31 years, two billion. 32 years, four billion. 33 years, you are home. Friends, imagine, in 33 years, we can change the whole world. So Malaysia, we got a problem? Hello? So don't run away from Malaysia. Lah. Amen? Tell all your friends to come home. All right? Some son, Ukraine, Russia, no choice, have to come home one. <laughs> Australia, England, cannot guarantee. Like, get them all, come home. Like. Right? Because we, we should be world changers for Jesus. So let's begin with change Malaysia for Christ. Can I good amen for that? And it's very, very important, okay? Come, let's stand together. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, right? Before I pray for all of us, I want to extend this invitation. If there's anyone here this morning who do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yes, I want to extend this invitation for you to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And friends, you know what? You are here not just because of invitation of a friend or relative. You are here because God wants you to know He loves you. You're very special. You're precious indeed. You are God's creation. Yeah, and I guarantee you, friends, when you take this step of faith to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, I guarantee you, you're in for the ride of your life. It'll be such an amazing ride. It's unbelievable. 
but it will be so good. No, there will be no challenges or difficulties. There may be, there would be, but you know, His grace is sufficient. But you're in for an amazing, amazing adventure of your life. Like many of us who have taken that step, some of us many years ago, some of us, some of us much later, it does not matter, but He wants to take us on to an amazing journey, friends, so there'll be great joy and celebration, even in the midst sometimes of challenges and problems. So, again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you've never taken a step of faith, with heads bowed and eyes closed, at a count of three, wherever you're standing, can you raise a hand high up so I can see your hand, I want to pray for you. All right? Wherever you're standing, you like to, never done so, like to raise a hand high up so I see your hand, I want to pray for you. Are you ready? One, two, and three. Is anyone? Is anyone? Well, I trust we do know Christ as Lord and Savior. I trust that every one of us indeed do have a wonderful living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, I'm going to ask all of us, can you lift up our hands up to God? I want to pray for you. Pray for every one of you. As I said, set a number in your hand. Whatever number, I don't care. Set a number. And for me, I set a big number every year. That I, want to read, I want to lead dozens and dozens of people to Christ every year. So I'm going to challenge you. It is not when I preach in church, how many accept Jesus to put up? It's not counted because preachers all have an unfair advantage. It is meeting people one-on-one, sharing Jesus, leading the faith in Christ, and ensuring they be disciple the life of the church, of a fellowship. All right? So set a number as I pray for all of you. And I want to pray for impartation. I want to pray that God will break from each one of us any fear, any reservation, or whatever else that will keep us uh, from reaching out to share Jesus. So, Father, I bring all these, my brothers and sisters, to you. Thank you for every one of them. Spirit, come right now and fill each one, Lord. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, just come. Fill each one, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Remove, oh, God, from every one of us, every shyness or shame or rationalization or reservation, whatever men and form, I take authority in Jesus. I bind, I break, I loosen these things from us all. Set us all free, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I run, Holy Spirit, empower us, Lord. I empower all my brothers and sisters, Father, I pray. Oh God, enable them to rise up in faith, oh God, and faithfulness to, to share Jesus, Father, I pray. Lord, lead them, our Father, to very kinds of opportunities, engagement, encounters, oh God, I pray. And enable them to turn ordinary conversations into spiritual conversations, oh God. And so leading our colleagues, neighbors, classmates, friends to the Lord Jesus Christ in a wonderful way, Father, I pray. So bless these precious ones, oh God, so that by the end of the year, Every one of us will have shared Jesus and the joy and privilege of leading at least one person to faith in Christ. So a great, wonderful celebration and a huge harvest, oh God, that will take place in the harvest generation for Jesus. So glorify your name, Father, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, God's mighty people say, Amen. 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 This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.